0: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel, we haven't done this in a while, J.J. and I together, and, and now we had to go all the way to 3,000 miles to do one, J.J., we couldn't do one hey, on the podcast, Noah. Could we fit a,
1: a better place to do it? I mean... It just needs to be a
0: visual podcast with the, uh, a video with a, little, uh, with, with a view of the bay and uh, some naval porn for you to to, to describe and enjoy for our, uh, for our, our the readers. A
1: Ticonderoga class and an Arleigh uh, Burke class destroyer, Ticonderoga. Cruiser and destroyer this morning. I went on a run, saw two aircraft carriers. I'm happy.
0: Yes, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to go uh, tour one of the uh, one of the midway. I'm find
1: time to, f- to tour the midway.
0: You're here for a whole other day. JJ's got the fever, so JJ will be here through the Rule Five Draft. We will talk a little about Rule Five Draft in this podcast, but we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on, um, you know, so far here in the winter meetings here in San Diego. And an active day. JJ, you and I were not trolling the lobby super late at night last night because you flew in yesterday. I've already had uh, three speeches in uh, two days here in uh, San Diego, which has been fun so far. But an active night last night, and I guess the main question from the takeaway from day one is we're trying to figure out what the Oakland Athletics are up to. And clearly the Oakland Athletics... One of the most stable front offices in baseball, Billy Bean's been the GM since 1995, I believe. So he's the longest-tenured general manager in the game, I believe, over Brian Sabian. And those are the top two guys. You've got a lot of front office lieutenants there who've been there a long time now, whether it's Eric Kubota, one of the longest-serving scouting directors in the game. Billy Owens has been there for years and years and years, now 15, 16 years in the organization. Um, these kind of decision-makers, a lot of those guys in that front office, And they've had some off-season shake-up, they've lost some talent, but... Clearly, the A's believe in what they're doing. They believe in their evaluations and their evaluators, and they're moving forward. But between the Josh Donaldson trade, then uh, that was a couple weeks ago, the Blue Jays. Monday, they trade Brandon Moss for Joe Wendell to the Indians. I think you and I both were surprised at the low return they got for Brandon Moss. And then at night, the, the big rim rocker that's made official Mid-fish this morning, morning. six-player deal where they trade... Two of the seminal, well, Jeff Jeff Samarge is not a seminal player. The the seminal A of the last six years in some ways was Michael Lenoa, for some of us. This is like a $4.25 million sign in 2007, back when that kind of thing wasn't cool internationally. Um, For four players from the Chicago White Sox, including Marcus Simeon, an East Bay native, Berkeley native, Josh Fegley, so he is a right-hand hitting catcher, which the A's did not, you know, already have one of those, and Derek Norris, and then uh, Chris Ranger. Bassett, right-hand pitcher, Rangel Ravelo. Rangel Ravelo was the highest rated of those four prospects. Well, Semien was the highest rated. Actually, and Fegley yeah. were not even prospect eligible this year. Ravelo was number 10 prospect. Bassett was actually going to be number 11. I just uh, was writing that up yesterday, so kind of easy to write that up for Trade Central. But all that introduction, JJ, what do you think the A's are doing? Have you figured out what the A's plan is? I have not. And I've been asking people smarter
1: than me in the game, and to be honest, I've gotten a couple of guys that say they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Here. Now, you could let's back it up all the way to the start, the Josh Donaldson trade. Me and you were talking about this last night. The the part that I understand in some ways, the part that makes sense about that is they got four players back. Right. So they they got two one back. for four. I
0: mean, that's, it's usually a pretty good deal if you can do one for four, as long as there's some quality in the four.
1: Right, but. At the same time you'd rather have the best player if you end up with the best player in the trade, usually you end up winning the trade. I agree. Well, in this case, they got two potentially back into the rotation, or in the case of Greatman, Greatman could be a, a useful reliever type arm. You know, that Yes. They got those. They got Franklin Barreto, an extremely interesting, but very but a long way away, middle of the diamond, middle infielder prospect. You can say the shortstop, there's some differing evaluations about whether there's a shortstop, whether it's a second base, maybe he ends up in center. Right. But he's going to play somewhere in the middle of the diamond with a with a very good bat. And But again, has yet to play really full season ball. So you've you got to temper that a little bit in that long way away. I agree. But the part that puzzles me is, and we talked about this, and then they trade away Donaldson and they get back a replacement for him in Brett Laurie. Yeah. But the thing with that is, is that is that If Brett Laurie ends up being, like the hope you have if you're an A's fan is, you know what, we just sold Josh Donaldson at his peak. And we could hopefully get a guy who, if he stays healthy, if
0: he takes a step forward, he could be Josh Donaldson-like. That's his upside. His upside is less defensive, less good defense Josh Donaldson to me.
1: Well, the problem with that is, is that okay for this year? He's going to be significantly less expensive because, you know, he has he, he's going to be roughly the same amount of cost, right? Not much different, but they're both going to be arbitration eligible at the end of next season. They're both about to get expensive. And the thing about it is, is if Brett Lurie, how arbitration works, if Brett Lurie has a great season this year, if
0: he becomes a player, you hope he becomes.
1: He's not going to be that much cheaper than Josh Donaldson. And I agree. And that's the part I don't understand on that. Okay. So that's that trade. Then we go to Brandon Moss for Joe Wendell. If you like Joe Wendell, and I've talked to guys who like Joe Wendell. I like Joe Wendell. But he is... what? Okay, you like Joe Wendell. What do you think an I'm, upside but like a,
0: a best-case scenario Joe Wendell is? Slightly more offensively successful Eric Sogard. Just to put it in an A's context... I don't think he. I think he's a better hitter than Eric Sogard by a full grade, maybe two grades. If Eric Sogard's a thirty hitter, which he had like a five sixty OPS this year, so maybe he's a thirty hitter. That's to me, Joe Wendell's very similar. Honestly, I think that there's. I've always, my mind works in mysterious ways, JJ. I've always associated Joe Wendell with Joe Sclafani. They were both in the in the Coastal Plain League at the same time. They're both Northeast guys. Wendell was a D2 guy. Scafani was an Ivy League guy on a very good Dartmouth team. I'm all about some, t- I'm all about some Joe Scafani. I think they're the same kind of player. And I think Joe Wendell is maybe a little bit better defender at second base. He had 250 last year. I know he had a Hammond injury. He had 250. He does draw some walks, he had some back control. Had a very
1: good Carolina League year the right. year before that.
0: Right. So I think Joe Wendell can be a second division type regular. Maybe he's the 15th best second baseman in the major leagues at his peak. Do I think he's a frontline player? I don't think they think he's a frontline player, but do I think he's a regular, everyday regular second base? Maybe, but that's no sure thing. And, 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 and Brandon is, Moss has big left-handed power. I mean, I understand there's a um, difficult uh, issue with his hip and his but, postseason but hip. Hit. But the thing about the hip, though,
1: is, is hip labrum injuries are something that we have a long track record with, and usually they are not a long-term issue.
0: Yeah. So I was surprised that that was all they got. I was surprised. that That's all they got for Brandon Moss. And I wonder, you know, this is one of the things I wanted to ask last night to front office people but I, I, I ran out of gas. You know, did did you see... Is that the kind of trade where you go, well, damn, I wish they'd asked us. You know, I think that was the kind of trade where other teams were like, well, damn, I wish they'd asked me, you and, know.
1: And then we have the trade that just happened, the Samarja deal. And there's no real other way for me when I start the evaluation. And I think if you're the A's, you would start by saying... Yes, that was a trade to try to win it last year and no it didn't doubt. work out. We lost you know, we had the we we had the wild card game in our hands and we lost it.
0: And that is a very expensive failure and it's not because they didn't make the postseason deeper, it's because you gave up Addison Russell. Now let me ask you. That I mean, guys, I mean, admittedly it was
1: a Jeff Samarza, Jason Hamill, who they've also Jason Hamill left this week back to go in back Chicago to too. Chicago. Which by the way, for the Cubs, that deal looks so awesome it let's not even start. But, okay, yeah. if you're the A's, though, let's rank the four guys they got now, Addison Russell and Billy McKinney. Addison Russell's the top guy of that group. You're talking about the, the four guys that came in this if, trade If today. the A's had them, you mean? No, I'm saying so the four guys that yes. they got back compared gotcha. to the two that they traded away. Addison Russell, I would rather have, it's not even close. But to, it's not close. To I anyone mean, else. Okay. I'm wondering if I'd rather have Simeon or McKinney. I was going to the point I was going to make is, is that tough call. Those are, I think roughly like Simeon plays a, a, a more premium position because he's a middle of the diamond guy. At the same time, McKinney you know, probably has a little bit better you know bat but he has a little bit better bat potential. I mean that's what McKinney is it's, it's,
0: Yeah, he's a hitter. You know the thing is Billy McKinney really fits the Cubs because they need a patient hitter. They need a guy who grinds at bats, will draw some walks. I could see Billy McKinney... Javier Baez is not going to fill that role. <laughs> I could see Billy McKinney being the Cubs' leadoff guy when it's all said and done. Like, I think, that as they plan things out, they're thinking that's more like a Mendy, you know, Mendy Alcantara kind of deal, but he's an extremely aggressive hitter. I could see Billy McKinney being like a non-profile left but, fielder, but being a left fielder who leads off and draws a lot of walks and sets but, the table for all those big boppers behind him.
1: And so the point, though, is, is that... The best player in this by far is Addison Russell. The
0: second best might be the other guy they gave up. The second best may be the other guy they gave up in that trade. I like Marcus Simeon, but Marcus Simeon as your everyday shortstop. This is from the club that brought you Jed Lowry as your everyday shortstop, and I like Jed Lowry, but most evaluators consider him a below-average shortstop. The metrics consider him a below-average shortstop defensively. I don't think Marcus Simeon is any better defensively than Jed Lowry. I think he's a very similar player. I think if you put him at second, but... You he could be a or third. Or a third.
1: But the problem there is is that okay, if you got a third base, would you just him right. thanks Brett Laurie.
0: Well they and they got him to play shortstop because right yeah. now their shortstops are Nick Punto and Andy Perino. So Marcus Simeon was valued by the athletics to be an offensive shortstop. And that's fine. I think that he can be that. But that said, this also marked this. Marcus Simeon walked a ton in the minor leagues. His strikeout to walk ratio in the big leagues is like six to one. Like in two thousand fourteen it was like twenty two to ninety. As a he first got his feet wet in September of twenty thirteen it was like twenty two to one. So he's had this extreme plate discipline right. in minor leagues where I believe he walked eighty four and struck out sixty six one year, and he that has evaporated in his right. big league time. And sometimes small sample, but sometimes it's it comes back. Right.
1: But, but sometimes it's an approach issue where the problem is is that you do not do enough. That's right. For when pitchers when, when walks stop being... In the minors, walks often are a failure to execute on the pitcher's part.
0: That's right.
1: In the big leagues, walks are more of an approach. Like, I
0: can't believe the thought that popped in my head is when walks stop being polite. <laughs> Start getting real. The but, real world. When you're the real world, Oakland. <laughs> but, okay. The other guys they got in this, Josh Pegley, again, you know... He's their fourth catcher. I'm doing a little roster construction as we're talking about this. They, so they're clearly not done. Mm-hmm. They're clearly, as Boogie Down Production said, we're not done. <laughs> Jaso Norris, Vote fakely, thats four catchers on their forty-man roster. So, you know, Derek Norris—I like Derek Norris, but in this, it was the very rare confluence of the things that a lot of baseball people always fear when they profile guys. Derek Norris's throwing arm is below Derek average. Norris, they are—they are, they sat home through the
1: rest of the playoffs in part. Because they had to play Derek That's Norris right. against the Royals.
0: That's exactly right. That was like one of the one of the few teams that could if completely not for, exploit. If not for a
1: puzzling double steal in the first inning, yeah. that <laughs> where Billy Butler is trying to get you know things started. If not for that, which forced an injury, which brings Derek Norris into the game, I, I think there's a very high likelihood
0: the A's would have kept playing. I, I, that's a great point. That's a great point. I'm sure that's one of the small posts in some of these long royal stories that have been written. Um, but so, Fegley's like a factor in a platoon, I think, is but, what he but is. But Fegley, I mean, Fegley,
1: and that's what Fegley at best is, is that Fegley is not a guy who you
0: probably look at as an everyday catcher. Correct, because if you did, I think the White Sox would have had him up last year because they've had a a giant sucking sounding catcher the last two years. No offense to anybody personally, but they just haven't gotten production behind the plate. Uh, then at first base, Ravelo is in that mix now, and I like Ranger Ravelo. We're 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 the we're the high
1: men on Ranger Ravelo. We
0: like him. We, we do. But they
1: even we're like, is this, is this an everyday guy?
0: Uh, and it and I can they tell clearly you, think he is. I can tell you that he was not one of the White Sox. If the White Sox organization was lining up its own top ten prospects, he would not have been in it. We were higher on him than they are because he could hit. He can hit. He, uh, it's, it's really a matter of do you believe in the power coming on or not.
1: Well, but the other thing with that is, is that it's also something where you can say, it's you believe in the power coming on? Or do you say, we're not worried about the profile. We're looking at what he can do.
0: That, that, there is that angle as well. And I like that angle. I like that as a team. I like just talk, sitting to, next to Dayton Moore yesterday at the, giving him the Organization of the Year award. You know, one of the things that stands out about Dayton, he just said it in a simple phrase, I like players. I like scouts and front office people who would like players and want and look at players through that lens. What, what can he do? do? Uh, you gotta have Don't someone just the, discount everyone as oh, uh, he can't do this. Right. You gotta have someone in the room who tells you what he can't do, but you gotta have someone who believes in what he can do. I, I Ranger Ravalo can hit. He has field to hit. I think that he's the kind of player. He gets player, on base. Right. And I think his on-base skills will translate in the big leagues more than Simeon's. So I, I do like Ranger Ravalo. That said. They have for this year in the big leagues there's Ike Davis Nate Fryman platoon more than likely. Also on their forty man roster is Shane Peterson. Then you have Ravelo who's just finished double A, and then you have Renato Nunez who's in high A this year. He's a third baseman, but I think most scouts think he's going to move across the first base. And then you have Matt Olson too. So, but again, I, I like that, maybe they're gonna I, those to problems. I,
1: those problems I entered like from the standpoint. Let, let's. Let's back up for a second and make one point, which is, is that the A's farm system after the Addison Russell-Billy McKinney trade was a, out a little bit. was a
0: pretty barren farm system. I, li- I like Stockton's team. I do like Daniel Robertson, Daniel and Robertson. I do like Matt Olson. I like Renato Nunez. I like some of those off-dose back. They, they have a couple significantly
1: years improved their farm system. They have. But at the same time... It's a quantity more than... And that's not disparaging these guys, but it's quantity over quality in that there's not a guy who... I'll put Barretta, I don't know is the
0: top. highest impact guy. is the top okay, 100 guy. Let me ask
1: after. you this. What I mean, top 100's a long ways away. What top 100 guys have they acquired?
0: Barreto. He's the only one. I think he's for sure a top 100 guy. I, think I he, like Franklin yeah, Barreto. I, I
1: think he's a top 100 guy too. I agree. I think what, that's the only one.
0: And, he, and in a big picture, 35,000 foot takeaway for me, uh, I would say that... What the A's are doing is in line in some ways with what we've seen the Cubs do and some other clubs, whereas I would say two years ago, the number one currency in trades was young power arms. That's what you always did. Mm-hmm. You didn't make a trade unless you got a young power arm. And even the A's used to be in that. A.J. Cole, those trade with they made with the Nationals. When you got a trade, you always have to throw, throw in on a Class A power arm. And I, when I first saw the Donaldson trade, I was like, where's the power arm? There's no power arm here. And this trade, Chris Bassett's a good arm. He's like a better version of closer, Graveman or Nolan. They, they went to closer to the big league. So there's that. First, there's the big league ready talent. That is definitely one trend. And the other trend is the athletic infielder who can hit. And that is what uh, they got in Franklin Beretta. So let me, let me that's ask the way this they've though. gone. I still think they could use a power arm, but uh, it, when you make trades of this magnitude.
1: The other thing in that trade that gets forgotten is they traded away Dan Straley last year.
0: Right. Yeah. Dan Straley versus. These guys. I don't think he's as good as these guys. To be honest with you, I think Dan Straley's like... I think Kendall Graveman, his floor is like Dan Straley. I like Graveman and Nolan better than a Dan Straley. I think Dan Straley and A.J. Griffin, and I love A.J., were a little smoke and mirrors a couple years ago. And they do get A.J. Griffin back from Tommy John this year. They do have, I think, fairly impressive pitching depth. When you look at their starting pitchers on their 40-man roster, Drew Pomerantz, Jared Parker coming back from Tommy John, Nolan... Uh, Arnold Leone's coming John. back from to Tommy John. Scott Casimir, Griffin Gray. Obviously, Sonny Gray's the the front line guy that's left here. Graveman, um, Jesse Chavez. If you think of him as a starter, Chris Bassett. If you think of him as a starter, but it's it is more it's quantity. A lot of, it's a whole lot
1: of a whole lot of if you love them threes, if you don't like them as much fours, if you don't like them as much that's fives.
0: Right. But the guys that you know this year. In the three-year, in the two and a half-year run, Oakland really had 12, 13, and the first half of fourteen. The guys you really identify with this team, guys who turned them around in a lot of ways, were guys like Moss, Cespedes, Donaldson, All-Star, and Sonny Gray. All stars. Sunny Gray's the
1: only one who's left. All star in, in some ways, like I mean, it doesn't mean everything, but there are a whole lot of All Stars they traded away.
0: Yeah, they did. So, what do you think this does? Uh, yesterday, did for the White Sox? JJ did the White. I mean, to me, the White Sox. I would not want to face them in a, if they make it the playoffs. I would not want to face Sale Samarja, back to back. No, thank you. And then you added they also
1: signed David Robertson last night, which, which was
0: a gaping hole at the back of their bullpen. Back of their bullpen, filled. and I
1: also think like do remember like the I think the something that hurt them, not at a massive level, but Nate Jones getting hurt last year. It did hurt them. They get if they get him back healthy this year. And all of a sudden, you move guys into smaller roles. The other thing I thought that, that was not really mentioned that last night is, is that that reduces some pressure. I, we both thought that there was a chance that they were going to come out of spring training with Carlos Rodon uh, blowing <laughs> yeah. gas in the back end of their bullpen. That is correct. Now this gives them kind of more reason to kind of wait and let him develop as a starter to kind of come up later in the year um, as a starter. But, no, I think if you look at the White Sox in – what is turning out to be a fascinating AL Central.
0: It is. You know, the other guy, the, the White Sox, besides Nate Jones, they're looking forward to Matt Winstrom coming back. I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is to them. But it is. because well, He was great for them in 2013. For one
1: thing also, you need numbers
0: in the pen. And you they,
1: they, they, they lacked numbers last year. But you look at them and you say, no, this, I mean, obviously, the key thing is, is they got Jeff Samarja, and they did not give up a guy who they cannot replace with very little pain. I
0: mean, Marcus Simeon, for them, they saw as a, uh, you know, as, a as an extra guy. They right. saw him as a utility well, even guy. Even if he's a utility guy? And they have guys. They have Carlos Sanchez right there ready for that. Micah Johnson, Johnson ready for second. And he Johnson play will-
1: shortstop for them because they have a better shortstop.
0: That's right. So Micah Johnson will be their second baseman, I can almost guarantee you, in 2015. I don't know if he's ready or not. Uh, you know he's finishing classes this and fall the And he Needs to get
1: healthy because that was really what hurt him last it
0: year. It was a hamstring. Hamstring week. The guy
1: is you know if you want to wonder why his stolen bases fell to the floor, you can't run when your hamstrings hurt. That's it.
0: That's it. So and his,
1: and when, and when he's a guy if he can't run. His batting average is going to suffer too because that's where he gets part of his, you know.
0: The American League Central, the really outside of the Twins. Hey, Tori Hunter went there, and he said he went there to win, and it's like, wow, okay. But the, <laughs> twi- but the, the
1: Twins are though; they're interesting, not in a 2015 standpoint, but they- 2016 for them can't go as wrong as 2015 did from the standpoint of Snow and Buxton. What would hope?
0: Let's I- hope. I mean, like the whole, the industry wants to see a healthy Byron Buxton. But I mean, obviously Kansas City, uh, you know, is not. They haven't made a big move this off season. Really, all they've done is they've lost Billy Butler, and they're seen primed to lose James Shields.
1: And they and they seem primed to lose Nori Aoki, which isn't a giant, but they they have right. holes. They they need. They they gotta. But they did actually bring back Luke Kochaver, which right again. I think I, I tweeted this, but Six they're going to they're going to make they're going to make some kind of move because they have more holes than they can fill really in free agency and. As much as having a great bullpen is great, uh, having a bullpen that goes Jason Fraser in the fifth, Luke Kochaver in the sixth, Kelvin Herrera in the seventh, Wade Davis in the eighth, Greg Holland in the ninth, (laughs) might be a little bit of overkill. Like, you could trade Holland or Davis.
0: You do have Andy McCullough tweeting this morning that multiple rival executives told him last night the Royals were telling teams that Holland, Davis, Herrera were not available. Do you buy that or not? Again, I don't from the standpoint of I, – I, they could do a different
1: approach because they need – right now they're also – they don't have a fifth strike. If you lose Shields, Giordano moves up, you know, to be their new number one. You know, you move everyone up. But they don't have – I mean, that's probably Brian Flynn if, it, if the season started right now.
0: So that was another big move.
1: But if that's the case, well, then the other approach you can do is just is say, okay, Brian, give us four. Give us, good, give us a good four. If you can give us five, we'll have a you know will have a party tonight. But and then we're just going to turn it over to the pen. Right now, they can do it. That I mean, it would be a fascinating approach. It would be the Will Lingo uh, approach gets <laughs> closer and closer.
0: That's right. By the way, the uh, news as we're breaking as we're recording is Francisco Liriano signing back with the Pirates for thirteen million dollars a year over three I, years. I like I, I like, like
1: what the Pirates are doing. I mean, they brought back Burnett and Liriano, and again, the thing about it is is they brought up a lot of guys. But they still have Glasno and Tyone, who are not that far away. That's that's a good situation. And again, right, I agree. The centrals are
0: both divisions. Both central divisions are really really interesting. Um, I'm pretty fascinated. JJ, what move? I mean, I think a lot of people here are talking about John Lester. That's not like that the big shoe to drop. That also involves a, a potentially a central team with the Cubs possibly being in there. What are you looking forward to uh, the rest of the week here in San Diego? I mean, like what's we'll, we'll, we'll probably have to do a second. We'll have, I was gonna
1: say because we we'll off to do a second Rule Five podcast, but uh, and maybe another one. I'll probably do one after the Rule Five also. But uh, but no, we might w- just
0: have to do a hangout for that one. That might be more fun to do as a hangout.
1: Yeah, but the, I'm worried be about back the, in I'm worried about the internet connection okay. on that. Like because we've you know I, I don't want a uh, 2013 draft uh,
0: redo. <laughs> uh, re- re- <laughs> That's true. But that makes me laugh time. really hard. That was Connor, so we,
1: we you know we love you, Connor.
0: <laughs> that was
1: so good. Um, that's, <laughs> Connor, I'm sorry, Connor, it's an inside joke. This is not great. It was basically
0: Connor Glassy pulling a beano cook. Tell him I can hear him. I mean, Tell it, him. It was awesome. It was but
1: um no, I I, I want to see. I I figure there's gonna be some other trades that are gonna come down. I don't know where they're gonna be, but I don't think we're in any way done for this, you know, for this week when it comes to trades. Free agent moves are gonna happen, but and then there comes a question. We, we, we got
0: no hint at Lucky's this morning from uh, Omar Minaya what the Padres are up to. But it does sound like there's a lot of scuttlebutt about the Padres
1: uh, yeah, Cole, making some deal. Maybe Maybe Cole Hamels at some point, it may not be while we're here, but Cole Hamels at some point, he's the only trade of less at, at the first right. half.
0: I can report that um, that the Andrew Cashner giant poster on the side of Petco Park has been undis- undisturbed. There, there was no workman out there getting ready to take Andrew Cash. I mean, Tell it, him! It was awesome. It was but um, no, I I, I want to see.
1: I I figure there's going to be some other trades that are going to come down. I don't know what they're going to be, but.